Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and an ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. The following episode may contain inappropriate material. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the PVD cast with John Orlando. Oh, John. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of the PVD cast. In every single episode, I say that I am your humbled host, and I truly am humbled as we have reached a milestone in the history of this podcast, episode number 250. I got to be honest with you, I'm absolutely shocked, flabbergasted, proud, excited, uh, nervous, uh, optimistic, just a, a, a range of emotions as I'm sitting here in this studio uh, doing this introduction. I, I really, honestly, I I, uh, I sit here and I think back seven years ago, December 12th, 2012, when I first started doing this podcast and not really knowing what the heck I was doing. But nevertheless, I, you know, continue to work at it, learn uh, improve the PVD cast to the podcast that you hear currently in your ears. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. Um, there's probably more improvements that need to be made for the PVD cast, and I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep putting out episodes because, uh, you know, the feedback that I get, people love hearing the PVD cast. And you know what? Thank you to everyone who has ever listened to one, two, 5, 10, hell, 250 of these episodes. I appreciate you checking it out. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to spend it with me. I really honestly can't thank you all enough. I'd also like to thank uh, all of the friends and colleagues who have supported me on this journey and will continue to do so. Uh, I've made so many great friends. I've had so much fun doing the PVD cast that it's, again, just overwhelming emotionally for me as I sit here and and chat with you folks here on this episode. And you know what? I'm kind of burying the lead a little bit because I have a great, great guest and I'll talk about him in just a few moments. But I wanted to throw out a couple of things that were happening uh, last week since I took the week off to kind of work on this uh, episode. Well, one of the things was I had the opportunity to appear on another podcast called Breaking the Fourth Wall. Uh, the host, Chris, reached out to me and asked me if I'd like to come on and talk about podcasting, and we did. 
the peculiar thing I found out uh, before we started recording is that Chris used to be in the independent pro wrestling scene as well on the East Coast and out in the the Midwest, like out in Denver. And uh, so we started talking about that off here. So this episode of Breaking the Fourth Wall featuring yours truly, we talk a lot about podcasting and why I got into it as well as uh, a lot of cool stories from my time in pro wrestling as well as Chris shares some of his. It was an awesome episode. It was so cool. And I appreciate Chris having me on. I appreciate Chris offering to kind of rebroadcast the PVD cast as well through his network called Realm of the Mist. And uh, hey, if you want to check it out, uh, just go to anchor.fm and look for, and this is kind of a little bit of a long web address, but go to anchor.fm slash R-O-T-M dash E-N-T slash Breaking the Fourth Wall Podcast, and you'll see the entire catalog for uh, Chris and his podcast. Or better yet, um, just go back into my Twitter uh, feed, and I've put out links to it uh, throughout my tweets from last week and even earlier this week, and uh, click it, listen to it, and and enjoy it, because it was a super fun um, podcast to do, and I can't wait. I, I've already talked to Chris about coming on the PVD cast and sharing more stories, so that's coming real soon. Uh, also, I was featured in 614 Magazine. That's right. That was something else cool that happened last week. In the middle of August, I was contacted by a, uh, a reporter for 614 Magazine and wanted to talk to me about my opinions and my insights into the independent comic book scene. Through that, I also mentioned a couple of other folks that probably would be a nice addition to the story. So this past Tuesday, September 1st, uh, the newest issue of 614 Magazine has a big expose on independent comic books in Columbus, Ohio, featuring not only me, but also Michael Watson, Victor Dandridge, and Jeff Patrick from World's Greatest Comics were all featured in the article so if you want to read it, it's available at newsstands, but you can also just go over to 614now.com and you can read it digitally if you'd like. I know you've all read the description of this episode. You know who my guest is. It is none other than one half of Harlem Heat, a former multi-time WCW Tag Team Champion, and of course, a 2019 WWE Hall of Famer, I'm talking about Stevie Ray, and I appreciate Stevie taking some time out of his very busy schedule to sit down and chat with me, and uh, it's really an interesting episode because we do talk about wrestling, but we also end up kind of honestly going all over the place talking about other particular topics such as COVID-19, football, politics, sports, Stevie's radio show, his podcasting projects. It was kind of unexpected, but that's what I love about podcasting is you never know where you're going to end up in a conversation with a guest. So it's a great one. You definitely need to check it out. And uh, with that, I'm going to get to uh, a quick little bit of business. Uh, Of course, I'm talking about my sponsor, and then we're going to get to my conversation with Stevie Ray. And of course, I need to let you know that this episode is brought to you by World's Greatest Comics. They're located at 5974 Westerville Road in Westerville, Ohio. They have tons of comics from every single era, the gold and silver, bronze, or even current issues. They have graphic novels, they have toys, they have comic book supplies, various other collectibles, back issues, um, some really cool old books as well that might be a little bit pricier, but if you're one of those hardcore collectors, 
then you definitely need to check out their selection. So stop on over to the store and say hi to Jeff and all the fine folks over at World's Greatest Comics, or you can check them out online at wgcomics.com, or they're even on Facebook. Just search for at wgcomics, and no matter how you interact with them, please let them know that you heard about the store from me, John Orlando, right here on the PVD cast. So with that out of the way, I'm going to throw it to a quick break, and on the other side of the break, you're going to hear my conversation with Stevie Ray. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PVD cast and joining me today is a 2019 WWE Hall of Famer, one half of one of the greatest tag teams to ever step in the squared circle, of course talking about Harlem Heat, joining me, Stevie Ray. Stevie, how are you this afternoon, man? Very good, very good, man. Just uh, just uh, hanging in there, man, dealing with the heat down here in Houston, Texas. Uh, how, how warm is it today, if I may ask? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't keep up with the numbers, man. See, like I got an overcast today, so that's a little bit better. I'm going to start off and ask the question that I've asked, unfortunately, lots of people over this last six months or so. Um, mm-hmm. How is the COVID-19 situation in uh, in Houston, Texas? COVID is no different here than it is anywhere else, I guess. You know, uh, Everybody's trying to be safe and everybody's trying to be careful and Things are slowly but surely, you know, opening back up, but dealing with it. And I guess it's like that everywhere, I guess. So we're no different here than anywhere else in the country, I guess. Okay. All right. Well, as long as you're staying safe and all your friends and family are staying safe, I guess that's the best you can shoot for nowadays. That's about it. Well, um, you have lots of endeavors, and I definitely will get into them and we'll talk a little bit about them. But I want to ask you real quickly, going way back, to your start in professional wrestling. Um, From my research, you were trained by somebody that doesn't get a lot of accolades in the industry. You were originally trained by Cowboy Scott Casey, correct? Yeah. Do you have any cool stories of of Scott Casey and, uh, you know, maybe even tell the listeners what an impact he made? Because he's not a a household name, but, you know, he was really, really good. He was an an amazing talent. I don't know how many, you know, he was just getting into in the business of training people when he trained me and my brother. So I really don't know what he did after that. Matter of fact, after, after knowing Scott for a few months of being trained with him, hell, I didn't see him again until 2018. Uh, I might've seen him once in between that, but other than that, I, I, I didn't see a guy again until 2018. So when you say what kind of stories, I didn't get to know Scott very long other than, uh, when he was training me and my brother, and I remember more of the advice he gave me more than anything else. And because uh, we never hung around Scott other than at the training center, never hung around him. And uh, talked to him on the phone once in like 2004 on a radio interview me and my brother was doing. I think I might have seen him in Vegas once somewhere in the mid-90s. I, I can't remember. And after that, you know, he inducted me and my brother into Cauliflower. Hall of Fame out in Vegas in 2018. That's that's really that's a really all I know of Scott Casey. Okay, could could I ask what what advice did he give you that you still to this well, day advice in, the, advice in the business, advice in the okay. business as to how the business is, and you know just getting you you know the mental aspects of the business, how the business is, and how how good it can be, how cruel it can be, how 
unforgiving it can be, things of that nature, you know. So those things, uh, because him being a mentor of us and training us, we took those things to the heart. So when we encountered those things in the business, we always remember what Scott Casey used to always tell us, things about, you know, uh, you can't look good in the ring without the other guy looking good in the ring, things of that nature, you know, not being selfish in the ring. Uh, you know, how, how this business, you know, the psychology of everything. I remember that more than any, anything about Scott. I'm going to ask, were you a fan of wrestling growing up? Yeah. Okay. Who were yeah, some big, of your favorites? Big fan, big fan of wrestling. I mean, who wasn't a fan of wrestling growing up? <laughs> if anybody said they wasn't a fan of growing up, then I mean, what the hell did they grow up in a teepee somewhere? I mean, I really don't know. But, uh, you know, as kids, you know, everybody, you know, and especially in the African-American community, you know, wrestling was a big thing. Growing up, I never had any aspirations to be a professional wrestler, but, uh, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of a lot of sports, and professional wrestling just happened to be one. By the fact that I ended up getting into it in my life was uh, pretty ironic. Well, how'd you get into it, if I could ask? No, just going to a wrestling school, and I never, you know, I just wanted to go to wrestling school and train, you know, blah, blah, blah. I never had any aspects of becoming a Hall of Famer or, you know, record-breaking tag team and all this kind of stuff, man. I just wanted to uh, try it out. Like I've tried out a lot of other things and everything else is history. You know, it just kind of like had a follow the yellow brick road and it ended up where it ended up, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you mentioned real quick that you were, you know, a fan of lots of different sports. Um, and I know from doing research, you're a big football fan. Um, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, can you give your opinion on what you think is going to happen here with, uh, the NFL starting up in a few weeks? And, and the current COVID situation? I mean, I think the NFL will go through growing pains just like everything else. You know, this this covert thing, to me, it doesn't work unless it affects everybody. So it's got to affect sports in every way, shape, or form. It's, you know, uh, some people have fans. Some people won't have fans. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are perplexed by the mere fact that, you know, a country like the United States of America that's only have 330, 340 million people are still dealing with this. And countries that have, you know, twice, three times as many people as we have are not dealing with it. So to me, you know, you're going to have to suffer from it because I think that's what's been written in stone. It's going to have to touch everybody in every sport because I honestly believe we live in a world where everybody right now is supposed to be afraid of something. So football is going to be no different. And they know that. You know, I, I'm deviating from some of my notes. I just wanted to ask. So you said in your in your opinion that we all have to kind of be afraid of something. Yes. Um, we live in a fear. We live in a fear world. Now, everything has to be laid out for you to be afraid of something. If you're not afraid of something, then you are a threat to the establishment. So you have to wake up in some way, shape or form somewhere in the medulla of your brain, in the back of your brain, somewhere you are afraid of something. And if anybody doesn't, everybody doesn't, oh, you know, those are things that I honestly believe. Then, then these are things I've already studied. So it is what it is, you know, and COVID is no different. Something, you got to have to be afraid of something. When I was growing up, communism was preached that that was the big fear to the United States of America. Yeah, right. You know, right. Uh, the Vietnam yeah. War, the Vietnam War was based on communism, taking over the whole world in a part of the world that nobody even knows exists. Now that actually is supposed to make sense to someone. So 58,000 people died for what? They didn't stop anything because Vietnam is still a communist, one of the few communist countries left on, the, on this earth. So why did 58,000 United States people from the United States of America have to die for something that's still there? I'm, I just got to say that that's a valid point. And I think that, you know, with the 
barrage of media that we have nowadays, too, that even right. makes things even worse. Right. So when you say what's going to happen with football, the same thing happened with auto racing, same thing happened with basketball, being in a bubble, same thing happened with baseball, out playing in front of nobody, stuff like that. And the thing is, we have to have sports because sports helps us deviate from really what's going on in the world. And as long as you are transfixed on sports, you will never, ever care about what really goes on in this world. Just like Black Lives Matter, you know, Black Lives Matter, which I think is a good cause. But Black Lives Matter just comes out of nowhere. You could have did this four years ago when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. No, you demagogued him. But now, because of the COVID thing, oh, let's see how all this works together now. So Black Lives Matter makes people uh, focus on that. But at the end of the day, corporate Fortune 500 countries are buying into something. Why couldn't you have bought in it four or five years ago? Why couldn't you have bought in it 15 years ago? Why couldn't you have bought in it 20 years ago? Why couldn't you? Because now it's more prevalent to be out there because something is going on. Something is about to transpire. What it is, I don't know. But I'm just saying, people just don't make changes like that, especially Fortune 500 companies and major sports outlets just because somebody said a slogan. Now you look at the civil unrest that's going on. Now, you don't think when they start saying uh, Black Lives Matter, it was going to trigger what's already been triggered? The hand grenades are already on the ground. So what are you going to have? Civil unrest. Boom. Now we got it. None of this stuff happens by accident, bro. That's just my two cents. No, no. I, I, I can definitely uh, appreciate your, your honest opinions on that. I mean, in fact, w- one of the things, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I had some other questions real quick, but you are currently doing a podcast with Vince Russo entitled Black and White, where yes. you and he discuss a topic from two different points of view, because yes. um, obviously you see it as a black man in America, Vince sees it as a white man in America. So could you maybe just for the listeners, maybe give uh, an example of one of the topics you touched base on and, and maybe give us a little little insight into how you two discussed it? Well, we try to discuss things, Ash, too, exactly how you put it out there, depending on the topic, because culturally we are different. But from a human point of view, we got more in common than we have that are different. Mm-hmm. The thing is, people are just not honest enough to admit that, and people are not you know, brave enough to dive into it and admit it. That is what's wrong with a country divided mm-hmm. because you are so afraid. That goes back to what I'm talking about. If you go around your friends and you say, I give an example of, like I was telling Vince, if you go to a dinner party, you and your wife, and the conversation is very, very racist and very, very bigoted, are you going to be the one to say up and say, hey, look, I don't want to be at this party because that's wrong? Or are you going to go along to get along because you don't want to offend anybody in your circle? Yeah. And I mean, that goes into, I, I believe, and again, uh, just throwing it I mean, out there. I mean, think about that. Yeah, no. That's... Are you going to? Because that means right then and there, because you ain't man enough, you ain't brave enough. Because I feel I might alienate people. But, uh, but at the end of the day, if you, you're not that person that believes in that ideology, what are you? Yeah, and I think political correctness to an extent sometimes hinders those honest conversations. I don't know. I go. don't know if you you share well, that same depends. opinion. It all depends. 
You're looking at a guy that's not afraid of anything and anybody. I'm not built like that. I'm not controlled by, I won't let a political party control my thought. I will, never, I will not let a religion control my thought. What I will let control my thought is what I've studied and what I know. So I don't have to go along to get along. So I'm not afraid if you like me or don't like me. I have a bad opinion of me because you can't step over the line and do nothing to me. That's the difference between me and most people because I've seen it, I've lived it. So at the end of the day, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote Republican because, you know, this is what, you know, people with money do. Or oh, i got to vote Democrat because, you know, they're down for the black cause and blah, blah, blah. I don't give two shits about either one of them because I'm an African-American man in America. I want the best for me, my people, my community, politically. That's how everybody else that came over here on a boat and they saw Ellis Island, that's how they got their piece. I want my piece the same way. Do you feel that the two political parties that we have, the Republicans and the Democrats, do you believe that they're all the same? They're no yes. longer, they're no longer yes. their separations. Okay. Yes, they are. They are I don't think they ever were. Really? I don't think they ever were. Okay. Because Republicans used to be Democrats and Democrats used to be Republican. How does that happen? Good point. <laughs> so that a baby face used to be a heel and now a heel is a baby face. <laughs> yeah. See how that works? See how that works? This is a question that I ask a lot of people. And it just behooves me that 90% of the time I get, I didn't know that. I'm like, I, I ask people a lot because I meet a lot of people. Hey, man, why are you so enamored with Donald, Donald Trump? They give me their analogies. And then I was like, well, why didn't you have that same, that same outlook of him back when he ran for president before? And you know what the question, you know what the answer is? Oh, I didn't know he ran for, I didn't know he ran for president before. <laughs> what? Okay. You know why you didn't know? Because he hadn't turned into Ric Flair. <laughs> Wait, I need to know this analogy. How has Donald Trump turned into Ric Flair? Please, okay. please enlighten me real quick. Okay, when, 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 when he became the leader in the race from the mm-hmm. Republican Party to be the president, the media is the one that put him out there. Everything that he was done was media driven. I pay attention to these things. A lot of people think, oh, Stevie Ray is just a wrestler. He did it. I'm so far from being a professional. Wrestling wrestling is just what I did to make money. Okay. I have been a history buff for years. I've been a military history buff for years. My older brother is a political science major that when I was a kid used to teach me about what politics and party and making policy was all about. Those are the things that really interest me, but I never talk about them with people. Not until I got a forum to start talking about it. Then people go, hey, man, I never knew you knew that. Well, it's not your fault. <laughs> you, you grew up on the other side of the tracks and you look at all African-American men that are athletes the same way. That's how this system wants you to look at me. I don't blame you. But that's what I would tell people. And it's like, wow, man, I never thought about it. But going back to Donald Trump, okay, but when once he became the Ric Flair of the world, the kid stealing, willing and dealing, jet plane, fly, jet plane uh, flying son of a gun, boom, everybody jumped on board. I say, Donald Trump has a plane. What's on the side of it? Trump. He has his own plane, right? What was, yeah. the, name, what was the name of his book? Art of the Deal. De- okay, Deal. What was Rick Flair? Willing and dealing. See what I'm saying? Okay. K- kiss stealing. Remember Donald Trump say, hey, I grabbed him by the pussy. Remember that? Yeah. 
Okay. Just because I want to. Now you put all that together. Okay. What do you got? You got to heal, brother. And everybody want to love, you know, the love to hate. Now I'm the front leader in the Republican Party. He turned into Rick Flair and boom, you got some damage done. When you were the regular, trying to be a regular politician, people didn't even know you ran. Because Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney came out of that. And what is Mitt Romney? People go, well, Mitt Romney, I love him because, you know, he's a Christian man and blah, blah. Well, no, he's a Mormon. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's not Christianity. No, it is and, not. And trust me out that people don't even know the difference between Mormonism and Christianity. This is, I'm like trouble, brother. So now that's what I say. You're more about the game, not the policy. Because if you really knew about what Mormonism was, was about, there's a little thing in there that says we believe in magic underwear. Would you still vote for a man that believes in magic underwear? I mean, it is what it is, bro. So that's well, why that, I say the things I do. Okay. Help me out. Who should who should you vote for then? I could if, give if, two craps who anybody vote for. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're gonna get the same thing. At the end of the day, you're gonna get the same thing. Politics is ran by corporations. Corporations are about money. So third party now, candidates. Whatever, whatever we get, whatever the crumbs, whatever crumbs come our way mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what you get. Now, as far as local politics, that's something different. But as far as big time, you know, the big boys, hey, if they leave you some crumbs, brother, you should be happy. Because I'm like this. Look at your life for the last 25 years. What has really changed? Other than wouldn't have changed with a natural progression. Like if we see all the technology that's coming forth, this, that, and the other, you know, things of that nature. But we see, we see the uh, economic crash of 2008, 2009. You see those things. You see people losing their jobs, their homes. You see gas go up to $10 a gallon. You see everybody that was doing good, all of a sudden everybody's doing bad. You know what I'm saying? That was under a Republican regime. Then the Democratic regime comes in. Okay, things start to change, but that's a natural progression too. So when you talk about what did the president, how did the president make your life better that wouldn't have been better of status quo in the same way, whether he was president or not? It's going to be a natural progression. And these things, if you know anything about history, a lot of these things are already predicted years before they even happened. So did they know this guy was going to be president 15 years before it happened? Third party? That's not even a good idea either. I vote third know? party every year. Okay. Okay. So that, that might be the way if people really feel the need to vote, maybe they should research those candidates. I think both parties should be abolished. Really? Yes. Okay. So okay. now you don't have a separation between people. It's just the best man for the job. Oh, okay. Because I'm... once emotions get involved, you can't think with the true, mm-hmm. you can't think with, uh, without some kind of bias. Because once emotions get involved, people look at political parties now like religion. Absolutely. And that's not, is that good for America? Nope, it is not. Everybody knows there are two different systems that play a part in a meritocracy. One for the ones with and one for the ones that don't have. That's not constitutionally right. Mm-hmm. Not if you believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That's why a democracy is supposed to be the same all the way across the board. But 
we know it isn't. Not if you really honest with yourself. We know it isn't. I'm going to interrupt my conversation with Stevie Ray for just one moment to talk to you about World's Greatest Comics. They're the one-stop shop for all of your comic book-related needs. They've got single issues, collections, graphic novels, toys, back issues, collectibles, and one world-class pull system. So if you're afraid you might miss a single issue of your favorite comic, sign up for the pool system. When it comes in, they'll pull it and hold it for you until you stop by the shop to pick it up. So check them out at 5974 Westerville Road in Westerville, Ohio, or you can find them online. Their website is wgcomics.com, and you can even find them on Facebook, by the way. Just search for at wgcomics. And no matter how you interact with them, whether you go by the actual physical store or you interact with them online, please let them know that you heard about the store from yours truly right here on the PVD cast. Can we go back to, you mentioned local politics. Can we go back yes. there for a moment? You, you said that that's probably the place where you can make the most change, where you can make the most in your, in your In your community. Okay. That I know because I work with uh, local politics here in town where I live. Okay. And when you're trying to get something, but we are under the impression that we're still under this Caesar mentality. I think America is under Caesar mentality that somebody in the big office and the whole world changes. I've been around a long time, brother. I ain't seen it, but I've seen mayors help school districts here. I seen mayors distribute things to help communities rise up in certain areas. Whereas they can implement certain things for people in certain districts that lobby for those districts. And, hey, we can hold your feet to the fire a little bit more because it's local. And you really, you got to listen to us. You got to listen to us a little bit more because we have to get in office. And we have our representatives out there, you know, having banter with you on a weekly or monthly basis as to what we need in these communities, what we need here, so on and so forth, as it deals with uh, just local politics. Now, how does that work when it comes to, okay, we got the House involved, we got Congress involved, we got, you know, the Senate involved, we got this involved, who they're loyal to, who are you loyal to? Well, you got to be loyal to the party before you be loyal to the people. The people are always second. Yeah, that's where things go wrong. I want to be a part of that winning, that winning team. But it, it, this all started back when you asked me about football. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, football is, like I said, this thing has got to touch everybody. It's got to touch everybody. And that's why on the news 24-7, they got a different person on the news every night talking about the coronavirus. Every night. Anybody that says anything different than what the mainstream media said, you are a kook. You are a lame brain. And you could be a doctor dealing with uh, patience every day. But the mainstream media is not going to recognize you, brother, because you need to listen to us. And we got a different guy on 24-7. Yes, or the coronavirus, or, you know, yes, or the brother that doesn't want masks at all. God, and, you know, some of the people got uh, sick, you know. You know, I think it's going to be a second wave if nobody wears a mask at this time. Okay, well, who getting rich off these masks? <laughs> Somebody getting rich. Everybody on earth got to have one. Who getting rich off the mask, man? I want a piece of the pie. I'm just being honest. <laughs> but you, you got to wear that mask. Well, the, the, the G7 mask, the best G5 mask. Hey, dog, I'm, I'm dying over here, bro. What the? 
I'm sorry, man. I, I laugh about it, Dylan. This is serious, but I laugh about it, man. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think it's worn on a lot of us, you know, because <laughs> you're absolutely right. You know, when this first started, we were told to do this. And then a few months later, we were told to do this. And, and I know it's unprecedented what we're going right? through, but yeah, but still there was kind of a little bit of miscommunication a little bit between. How can that happen? But I'm just saying, in a society yeah. in which we live in, with some of the most educated scientists on earth, how can you get, you know, it reminds me, it reminds me of the movie that uh, my daughter, she, she really liked this movie. V, v, what's the dude's name? Vigor Mortensen? Oh, Vigor Mortensen, yes, yes. Yeah, he, he was like an ex, uh, I guess, mob guy, but he moved to a small town. Do you remember that movie? I think. Oh, is it, is it called A History of Violence? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Very good. Then, film. He, then he went back to talk to his brother, you know? Yeah. Because he had, they had since, I mean, not him, but some, I guess another gang of guys. I guess they were Irish guys, Irish gangsters. And uh, I guess they went back and tried to kill Big Or. He had to end up going back to his old city. And he was talking with, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. He, he won the Oscar once. Was it uh, Ed like, Harris, maybe? No, Ed, not, Harris? Ed Harris Ed Harris was one of the guys that came to kill him, but he ended up killing Ed, Ed Harris. Well, he went back to his where he came from, and his brother, oh, God, I can't think of the guy's name. But anyway, he was telling him how, you know, hey, you left us, and blah, blah, blah. And then the henchman, <laughs> the henchman was supposed to get him from behind. And Vigo Morrison ended up, you know, killing both of the guys when he runs out of the room. And his brother gets up and yells at the other guy and goes, how can you get, how can you fuck that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like they had everything laid out and you still can't kill the guy. Oh my God, that was, that scene was so funny. If I can think of his name, he's a hell of an actor. But I'm like, this kind of pertains to what we're talking about to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you are a scientist, and a disease has been around since 1935. 1935. That's four years before World War II started. And you don't know what a, if a pandemic breaks out, what you should do and what you should not do. I'm like Vigo Marcus's brother when it comes to that. How can you mess that up? Because we were told, don't wear a mask. Then all of a sudden we were told, Everybody need to wear them back. This the movie all over again, man. I'm sorry. That just makes me think of that. How does that happen? That's a great analogy. I, <laughs> I really do enjoy that analogy. <laughs> That's funny to me, bro. 1935. 1935 was the first COVID-19 or co- yes. coronavirus period? Coronavirus. So okay. that means if scientists or doctors didn't, uh, discovered this disease. That means it must have hurt someone back then. So what would be the way to treat it? You just go, oh, well, or, or, or Dr. Smith, uh, what do you think about this? Um, mm, it only attacked a few people. Ah, I got other things to do. Is that, is, that what <laughs> is that what happened? I don't know. I'm just asking questions, bro. That just freaks me out. Uh, wet shop in China. And Wuhan, China. Oh, that means really going to mess the Russians up because the Russians border 
China. No. Okay, that means really going to mess those Indian people up. It's 1.3 billion of them really going to eat them alive. Uh, no. Well, can't get us because we separated by the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean. So I know we're all cool. No. <laughs> what the? What? what? Wait a minute. How does that work? I'm just asking questions. Uh, you know. <laughs> That's crazy to me. All right, let's shift gears for a minute because I would like to. I'd like to get your. Uh, like you to tell the listeners all about um, your radio talk show, uh, Straight Shooting with Stevie Ray. It airs yeah. uh, at uh, ninety-two point nine FM in Houston. Talk to us a little bit. How did this uh, opportunity present itself to you? Oh man, I've been doing radio for a few years. Okay, I've been a guest on radio stations around Houston for quite some time. A lot of people don't know I actually went to go into radio when I uh, got out of high school. I want to go into radio. So, but you know, your mind is moving so fast and so many different things happen at the time. But uh, yeah, so I started doing sports radio uh, years ago, back when I was still wrestling, actually. Mm-hmm. So whenever I was in town, guys would invite me out to sports and talk about sports and things of that nature. So it's uh, just a natural progression. And it's really, really fun. I really enjoy it because uh, it gives me a chance to uh, talk about sports. But I, I, I'm a heel at the same time. You know, when I used to talk with sports announcers, I would just go on the radio to bury them, just to bury them and, you know, make them feel like they didn't know what they was talking about. Because, you know, I had no decorum whatsoever. It was straight promos, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so we would talk about, I would, I would go on to bury Mike, Mike Tyson. I would go on to bury uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather and stuff like that. And, and make the people, but the guys wanted me to do it because the people would call in angry. Or I would talk about, you know, the football team or the baseball team or different people. And just me getting a chance to be a heel and talk about sports at the same time. And, and people just loved it, you know. And they just didn't know. I was just doing me, what we do on a daily basis. So guys would call and some guy hear about me on another radio station and like, hey, can you come down to AM 16? Yeah. Well, what do you think about the uh, Houston Texans, you know? You know, and I'm like, well, I think the Houston Texans, I think everybody should be let out to Galveston Beach and a wave hit them all. You know what I'm saying? That's a big wave hit them all down in Galveston Beach, you know? And I think the Texans might wake up, you know? Things like that, you know? And so guys were like, well, what do you mean by it? You know, I was like, come on, man. You can't slap a guy. That's against the law. So if you put him in high water and a beach wave hits him right in the face, he might wake up and start playing a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and, oh, man, then you get all these calls, ah, Stevie Ray, blah, blah, blah. Then I would get on the the people calling in, you know, the people calling in. So it was like, and the the producers, the whole studio would just be dying laughing, you know. So they would just, they just, you know, that's what pro wrestlers do. You know what I'm saying? We... We do promos off the top of our heads. We train for that. So I did it one time, and it's been running rampant ever since, man. So that's how I got into uh, local radio, and I all, and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed it to this day. I really enjoy it. Excellent. Well, I have uh, before we start wrapping things up, I have two more wrestling related questions that I'd like to ask. That's good. You, my man. That's cool. Do you have any stories or any memories that you would like to share of Sherry Martell? 
who's one of the greatest women wrestlers and managers of all time. Do you have any cool stories or memories? Sherry, Sherry was a true professional. Sherry was a true professional. We were really honored to have her with us at the time because it worked so good. And by the fact that she had been in the business for a while, that was she was another person that, you know, gave us great advice. I remember the advice on certain things and, you know, she would watch our matches from being outside and tell us what to improve on, what would she do better, you know what I'm saying, as far as, you know, just the the whole metaphor of what we're trying to put out there. She understood it more than most. And I remember that more than everything. Just her wisdom and knowledge, man. Whatever we came up with, she was like, oh, yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, let's do that, blah, blah, blah. That's the part of professional wrestling people don't know anything about is the craft. Mm-hmm. You know, just the craft and trying to make the craft better. Because I was having a, on my radio show yesterday, and we was talking about how certain people don't get, it's about, you know, like, I think Antonio Brown's name came up, and I said, that guy got some of the best, he's one of the most talented people to ever put a uniform on, but he's not about the team. And if you're not about the show or the team, you just lost. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with Sherry. It was always about how we can make our opponents look better and us look better, which makes the show look better. That's a lost art. Indeed. It's not, it's not drilled in the people like it used to be drilled. And that's what I remember more than anything, those discussions after the matches and we sit down and have our powwows and stuff like that. You know, I remember that more than anything. You know, after the match, we sit down, hey, you know, about, hey, when you, do you, when you get ready to do this, do this this way now. I think it'll look better. Or when you get ready to do this, and when y'all did this, oh, that really look good. Do that more. Things like that. Mm-hmm. I, remember those, I remember those things more than anything. All the other crap is just scenery for the public. Those things are near and dear to my heart because they made me not only a better wrestler, but a better person. Cool. Well, my final question uh, is one that um, I've had for many, many, many years, because uh, I'll be quite honest, as a junior high school student, I remember watching yourself and your brother compete in the GWF, uh-huh. and then with, within a short amount of time, you were in WCW, and WCW right. renamed you to uh, mm-hmm. Cole and Kane. Right. Why'd they do that? Any ideas? We hadn't got the clearance legally. From global, okay. Global, global. Still, it was something with le- legal. That's all I remember. That's all I remember. It was something with legal. I can't remember specifically exactly what it was. But after that, after that got cleared up, then we were Stevie Ray and Booker T again. Okay. Yeah, but it was something, something with legal. You know, just this is trademark copyright. You know how that stuff goes. Television. You know, so. Yeah. It was what it was. And, and, and with WCW, if everything wasn't 100% clear, 100%, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, the show must go on. The show must go on. So it was just one of those things. And I think that had, I think we were with Kane and Cole for, I don't know, not even a year. And then we were able to use the Booker T and Steve Ray again. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you for clearing that up because I've always – as a kid, like I said, watching you guys in GWF, and then when you showed up in WCW, I'm like, no, that's Stevie Ray and Booker T. What the? Why has it got different names? Well, we couldn't do the Ebony Experience either. It has something to do with the Ebony Experience. Oh, okay. 
Okay, yeah, so that was tied in wanted, too. We wanted to, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we wanted to stay the Ebony experience, which I wish we could have. But hey, man, it all worked out, man. But uh, that was just person. I wish we could have kept the Ebony experience, you know. Mm-hmm. I wish we would. But the Harlem Heat thing got traction, and man, it took off, man. So <laughs> it, was, it was what it was. That's entertainment business, man. Nothing mm-hmm. is cut in stone, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Stevie, where can folks find you on the internet? You have Twitter, website, um, and any oh, other yeah, projects man. you'd they like to find, talk about? They can find me on Twitter. They can find me on Instagram. They can find me on Facebook, The Real Stevie Ray. Find me on uh, Facebook, Stevie Ray, The World's Most Dangerous Podcast, Straight Shooting with Stevie Ray. And that's the name of my radio show also, The World's Most Dangerous Radio Show, Straight Shooting with Stevie Ray, me and my partner in crime, Angel Corona. And that's what that's what I'm doing. We're podcasting every night, Monday through Thursday, on uh, uh, Twitch uh, slash Stevie Ray TV, and that's what we're doing, brother. And that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to make a name for myself. Oh man, I got some shows that's coming out, man. On that's going to be on Patreon. Some shows that I'm going to be putting up little clips of on YouTube. That's going to really blow people's mind, man. So I'm going to be doing more and more of it. So yeah, I can't wait, man. So that that's really uh, I'm really excited about it. All right. Well, definitely, folks, if you're listening to this, you know, check out Stevie Ray on Twitter, on Facebook, all of the social media, and keep tabs on him. Stevie, it's it's been a blast. Thank you so very much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. No problem, bro. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'll throw it to a quick break. And on the other side of the break, I'll be back to wrap up the episode. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 250 is in the books. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stevie Ray. And uh, please check out him on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, check out russosbrand.com, which is where you can get Black and White, the podcast that Stevie does with Vince Russo. And as a side note, there's lots of interesting wrestling-related podcasts on uh, that website, russosbrand.com, once again. And uh, thank you so very much, Stevie. I can't say it enough for sitting down and chatting with me. Now, maybe you'd like to comment on this episode, or quite frankly, any episode of the PVD cast. Well, you can get in touch with me a couple different ways. First, you can find me on Twitter. My personal Twitter handle is at PVDMVP. You can also leave me a message over on the Facebook page or the Instagram page of this podcast. Simply look for at PVDCast. And maybe you want to send me a little bit of a longer uh, correspondence. You can do that by just simply shooting me an email, johnorlando at PVDCast.com. And don't forget that this podcast is available at pvdcast.com, the online home of yours truly, and also through all the major podcast networks such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, uh, iHeartRadio, Deezer, Google Podcasts. Basically, go to your favorite platform, type in the search bar PVDcast. Sometimes you have to put John Orlando after it, and you're sure to find it. And please, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Rating and reviewing helps me out in the algorithm. And, of course, subscribing means you never miss a single episode of the PVD cast. And don't forget about the live broadcast every Monday night at 8 p.m. 
through the Facebook page of the PVD cast. All right, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get on out of here. I thank you for checking out the episode, and I will chat at each and every one of you later. Stay righteous, stay independent, stay safe and healthy. The following has been a production of John Orlando Enterprises, LLC. Copyright 2020.